Hi, welcome to the Rock Bottom to Recovery podcast. I'm Shane Johnson. I'm Bill Farrell. And we have a special guest, Shannon Egan. She's an international journalist for addiction recovery, book author of No Taurus Allowed, Seeking Inner Peace and Sobriety in War-Torn Sudan. It's a mouthful, but I love that book. Um, and Shannon, you, I, I, she is a cosplay warrior. And if no one knows what cosplay is, it's the practice of dressing up as characters from a movie, book, or video game. You can find her on Instagram, um, especially uh, for cosplay. You can find her on Facebook, and you can definitely buy her book, No Taurus Allowed, Seeking Inner Peace and Sobriety in War-Torn Sudan. Um, and if you want to call in, the phone number is one 415 9139 That's 1-888-415-415-9139. I am a mess today. Um, <laughs> that whole wood war oh, I'm telling you, I, like, I tried repeating it that last week, and, and I was I was tripping over my words. So, Shannon, without uh, any further um, tongue ties, I would like to introduce you to the show, introduce you to the people that are listening. Uh, this is episode seven. It is. And uh, it, it is an absolute pr- privilege to do this for others. So tell us about yourself, Shannon. Well, thank you so much for having me. It is a little bit nerve-wracking for sure, so I understand the tongue twisting. Um, yeah, I'm happy to be on the show and um, to, you know, um, I mean, a little bit about me is I am a recovery advocate and I advocate for, you know, that recovery is possible because I'm somebody who has six years sober, a little over six years sober, um, you know, and I had at one point hit rock bottom in my drug and alcohol addiction. I have three DUIs. I am a felony in the state of Utah and was looking at a year um, in jail at the at my rock bottom. And so um, I definitely know what it's like to, you know, be in a dark space and feel helpless and hopeless. And um, so I, I really use my time now to um, try to give that message to others who might be in that dark space so that they know recovery is possible, that they're not alone, um, and that they may be feeling now it can be healed and they can actually, there's a recovery community all around the world ready to embrace you um, on your journey. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, A a big reason for this show is that I want to give people of Massachusetts more of a national... a national vision of what recovery can be. You know, sometimes I feel like we look for the we look for the answers and we receive the same answers within the state uh, or within your city. And I want people to understand that recovery is a is a broad environment. And with with you doing recovery uh, internationally, it is an absolute uh, it is an absolute amazing. Um, uh, what do you, uh, hold on, I just I'm got sorry. To I threw Shane off. I handed of him some information. I just, I, I just really appreciate the work you do. Um, and if you can, so the, the show is called Rock Bottom to Recovery. Um, we don't have all the time in the world because I know it would take forever. But can you outline where your lowest rock bottom was and, and what made recovery finally stick? But to, to, real quickly, too, how'd you start off, Shannon? What was your age and 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 what what? How'd you start off in your in your um Addiction. Addiction. Yeah. Uh, so how I started out in my addiction, and really this is what my book, No Taurus Allowed, kind of covers, is I grew up in um, Salt Lake City, Utah, where about 
uh, percent of the population is Mormon or LDS is what they call it. And so I grew up in a really sort of, um, uh, what's the word? Um, a suppressive environment. It felt suppressive for me because I was, you know, um, expected to become a Mormon and to follow these rules and to have certain beliefs and participate in rituals that I really didn't feel comfortable with. It felt more cult-like to me. It didn't feel like freedom or that I had a choice. And so I, my um, way of numbing out was to start using drugs and alcohol at the age of 15. And um, there was a huge battle for, you know, me to, you know, I was told that I had a devilish spirit and um, all of these things um, because I, I, w- had be- I was an addict. And so um, that went on for years. And um, again, talking about my book, I, I ended up, because I was a young girl who really wanted to travel the world, I wanted to go to Africa more than anything for some reason. As a young person, it really was attractive to me to have adventure in life and seek unknown territory and, you know, wildlife and all of that. So I I decided to um, escape the Mormons, if you will, and travel to Africa at a young age. And that's when I ended up in Sudan. And I chose Sudan because it was governed by Sharia law. So there would be no alcohol or drugs in the country legally. And I thought, oh, I can go there. I can sober up. I can get out of this suppressed Mormon community that I don't feel I belong in. And I can also have my adventure. And so in Africa, I was able to get training as a journalist on the ground there. And, um, you know, I, I developed a lot of skills that I didn't know that I had and gained some insight. But I also um, suffered a lot because it was in the middle of a uh, Sudan was in the middle of a war, um, in the middle of a genocide. And so I came back with some serious P- PTSD and from there just downward spiraled into my addiction. And so my rock bottom was really crashing my parents' car into a construction zone and um, having the police come. It was my third DUI. I was work- I was in Salt Lake at that time, um, also working as a stripper. I had um, done exotic dancing, and I had so much shame because I was like, you know, to be a stripper in, in Mormontown, Utah, is just unheard of, especially in the family I grew up in. And so I, I just, I mean, I literally, I had so much shame. I didn't know how to reach out for help. My family, they were just, they had no idea how to help me either um, because they were afraid of me. I was kind of a hostile drunk, a hostile addict. addict. And so, um, yeah, that was my downward spiral is um, sort of waking up in a jail cell and um, speaking with a lawyer, and he told me that he had just, handled a case for a woman who had two children and this was her third DUI too and she had been sentenced to a year and I knew at that time that I had a lot to lose I had you know I mean looking at a year for somebody like me who had also been working as um for the UN in New York and has a book deal and different things like that it was just a huge rock bottom and I thought there's no way I'm ever going to be able to pull out of this that's uh, that's amazing. So, can you tell me, um, because if we see it with, we see it on the 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 path to uh, abstinence, is uh, you know, from from myself speaking for myself, I I had plenty of relapses before it stuck, um, and I I just remember telling myself that I was done and having that inner conversation, 
Um, and I, you know, I finally listened to the inner voice and, you know, asked for help. Can you tell us where recovery finally stuck for you? Like, what was it? Was it that that moment with the lawyer, or, or was it, you know, did you skid after, or um, where was it from there? You know, that's such a good question, and it's an important question because I think for a lot of us, you know, we do we relapse over and over and have you know, periods of sustained recovery, and then we mess up, and then periods again. I mean, I had um, tried to find recovery for many, many years before that DUI in 2011, and, um, you know, I had at one point, I think, two years of sustained recovery before I relapsed again in New York, and um, and then um, I haven't had a sip of alcohol since then or any illegal drugs since that that day, and I think what changed for me was really, um, you know, they say it's like the, um, your, what is called, you know, that one thing that you, you, that means so much to you, it's finally on the line. And for me, I really loved freedom and I loved change. And I was placed on, um, court ordered probation and not allowed to leave the state. And then looking at this year, and also I had, you know, all of a sudden these, probation people coming to my house essentially with guns because you know this is the law and now I was a felon and so it was sort of I I felt to be honest that I was forced into recovery because it was either jail and a loss of freedom which meant a lot to me or stay sober and um, I hadn't had that kind of ultimatum before and so knowing that if I did drink and I had to take these breathalyzers and these probation officers were, were coming to check on me, if I messed up once and I had a year, it was like, okay, well, I I had, you know, I had that force. So in a lot of ways, I am, I am grateful for the criminal justice system and that I did have that experience. I know today we're trying to advocate that those of us who struggle with addiction are not thrown into jail, but rather put into treatment. Um, and I, I believe that, but I, I also feel that that, that um, what had happened to me was a blessing. And that's how I chose to see it. Wow. That's awesome. That is, uh, yeah, good. that is, that's really good. <laughs> I think, and I, I, I'm in the um, correction fields, Shannon. I'm a correction officer. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, you know, I, I see a lot in my facility, there is a lot of programs that are being implemented to help um, people in their recovery. I don't often see a lot of people taking advantage of it. But, um, you know, they, they there is definitely um, a mindset that's now going in that direction to, um, to really um, help people get back on, on their feet. Um, I had a question for you, but I, I do like the fact that um, I'm looking at it. I'm a convicted felon in recovery. Forgive me my past. Allow me my future. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And I had your picture. You know, that's. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That that That's okay. That's a photo I made. Um, so I think it was in 2015 or, yeah, 2015 that. We um, th that the United States put on its first rally for recovery, this national rally that we had in Washington D.C., and um, all every every you know uh, representatives in the state were trying to get people in recovery to go to this rally and, and represent their state and represent the the recovery voice across the nation, and that was a sign I had made for um, to you know to advertise that event and. 
it ha- had actually gone viral, so I posted it, and it just, I mean, it was shared all over the place. Thousands of people were, like, liking it and sharing their thoughts. But I, so I think, you know, it is, it's like the idea of, I think, more more importantly is that when we're addicts and alcoholics, we have to forgive ourselves first of of the really shady things that we did in our addiction. And that that was um, an important lesson for me to learn to be able to be where I'm at today is, yes, I was a stripper. Yes, I did some really shady things. Um, I stole, you know, talking about um, sort of a relapse. So I didn't relapse on drugs or alcohol after um, that third DUI. But one thing I did do two years after I got sober is I went and stole from Walmart. And that might sound strange, but I was used to being such a rebel my whole life and, you know, having this sort of punk rock, do whatever I want, that when, like, two years in recovery, I was just like, I have to do something wrong. I have to, you know, I just, I was still trying to find myself and I needed to understand how I could still be daring and brave, but not break the law. And so I did, I got busted for that. And luckily I got that expunged from my record. But I think that we, as we're going through our recovery process, it looks different for each of us and we're going to mess up and our mess ups are going to look different and it's okay. It doesn't mean that we start over from scratch. Everything that we've done during our clean time or our sober time or the time that we're not using drugs and alcohol is all of that has value and it doesn't go away if you mess up. So that so you got uh, so you got caught at Walmart. I did get you caught got, and I was yeah. so scared. Yeah, I was no, so scared. But that and, that that's the thing is like I have um I have six and a half years of sobriety as well. My sobriety dates uh September twentieth, two thousand and ten. And um, my sponsor, he's, you know, he'll still tell me, he goes, look, he goes, before you got sober, you were a liar, cheat, and a thief. He goes, now that you're sober, he's like, you're still a liar, cheat, and a thief. And he goes, but the whole point is to do it less, less, and less. You know, it's a, you know, I wish I could um, get rid of all my character defects overnight, but I mean, I completely identify with, with that because I, you know, throughout my sobriety, uh, you know, I'm I'm challenged by you know the stigma of, well, you know, you're 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 in sobriety, you go to AA, or, you know, you're in a cult, and I try to tell people like it's not a cult. I I've just found a, a better way of life. Um, and you know, then you hear the you know you're better than, but it's not really better than. I'm better than I'm better off personally than where I was at before. Um, and and to transition into my next thing is that your uh, your cosplay that I see on Instagram, um, it, it is unbelievable. One of my favorite characters uh, is Wolverine, and <laughs> I want to dress up like Wolverine so bad. I don't know where to get the costumes like you get, but um, it's inspiring because it, it it's a way to express yourself, and I see I see you do that, and um, I, I'm one of those people that I can be outgoing when when I'm comfortable, but for the most part, I, I suffer a lot from social anxiety, especially I can go out to dinner and I'll have an anxiety attack and it's not stuff that I tell people, but when I'm able to do things like what I see you do with cosplay, it, it, it inspires me to want to, 
to go outside of myself like that. And can you can you explain a little of how you got into it? Um, what is the inspiration behind it? And if there is any, um, do you do it for a cause or is it just something a uh, personal piece of expression? Yeah. Um, um, so cosplay, I mean, man, those are all really great questions. I'm going to make sure I stay on um, point here. Um, so how I got started into cosplay, which is a form, it's two words together. So costume and play um, is that um, I used to work for a local recovery community organization in Utah. And we would do these, um, uh, these we would have a, um, the recovery community come out for the gay pride parade and we would put on a recovery float um, to spread the message of recovery and represent recovery for the city of Utah. And our floats would always have a theme. So one year it was superheroes in recovery and I dressed up as Wonder Woman. And so, and then that ended up channeling into, um, we have a person here in Utah who runs the Comic-Con events and he's in recovery and he would give our, organization tons of tickets so that um you know our recovery community could go and have some sober social fun there and so then i became sort of the person organizing and hosting that event for the recovery community at comic-con and always was dressed up in costume and i started to realize that i really loved um to channel these characters these empowered superheroes so you know, Wonder Woman, or I can't even think of really actually what I'm finding is that any kind of um, heroine or hero, like even when you're dressed up as Edwina Scissorhands, so it was a female twist on Edward Scissorhands, but all of these characters have defects and also these amazing um, strengths, and it's an opportunity to express those strengths. And so how I got started on on Instagram was realizing that, you know, for me, just sort of working for the national and international recovery movement. So I, I write grants to provide peer recovery support services to states and communities so that people like me and you can become paid um, professionals. So it's kind of like the idea of getting a sponsor, but not a sponsor because they're actually in the professional world, getting um, paid an hourly wage to help people develop recovery management plans. And a big key component is that those peer coaches that are getting paid are are honoring all pathways to recovery. And the reason why that's important is because um, for, for many of us, we all have different traumas, and so, therefore, a different type of resource is going to work for us. So, for instance, in my case, because I grew up in something that I considered a cult, at least in Utah, the Mormon culture is very cult-like. Um, so, anytime I was court-ordered to attend um, an, an AA group or, or an AA meeting, I, I would be triggered because of my personal upbringing, not because there was anything wrong with AA or 12 steps, but because going to those meetings and seeing the big book outlined in scripture in red marker or red, or just having certain rules and everybody agreeing to it and reading out of the book, it really reminded me of the religion I grew up in and it, and it triggered my trauma. And so I would go to the court and I would say, please, I need a different type of recovery support. Can you please let me do individual counseling? And they would say, no. 
because really at the time, you know, 12 step was, was considered that one pathway that everybody needed to go to. Mm-hmm. So on that note, the reason, so that's why I, I really love what I do. I get to write proposals that make sure that everybody gets to choose and self-direct their recovery path based on their trauma, based on their personality, based on what they feel will work best for them. And um, so one of my pathways to recovery that has always um, helped me to feel fulfilled and heal is creativity. So I'm a professional writer, but I also do a lot of creative writing. Um, And in my recovery path, I would constantly journal about my wishes, my dreams, my flaws, where I was at, what I was hoping for. And um, cosplay has become a huge outlet for me in my recovery as a way of channeling these heroines and heroes and um, wanting to share that sort of strength with other people in recovery. And so I have like over 30,000 followers now, which is amazing because I have a lot of people messaging me saying, thank you for, you know, I look forward to your daily posts because it helps me in my recovery or, you know, it inspires me in my recovery. And it's just trying to show people that there are multiple pathways to recovery and this is just one of the paths. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So, Shannon, where would they see your daily posts? How how would the people that are listening be able to connect in so they could also? Yeah, my Instagram um, is handled pretty long, but it's Shannon, S-H-A-N-N-O-N, and then my middle name, which is M-A-E, and then my last name, E-G-A-N. Okay. We'll get that up onto the I, rock bottom. Yeah, yeah. She uh, she's on Instagram. She actually followed. That's how I I first followed her. I was coming up with the. They, my buddy taught me to create the Instagram as like a form of expression, and um, you know, I started following people similar to that uh, that I felt were on the same path as me. People in recovery, and Instagram is a great way to connect without. Um, all the extra, you know, uh, fake news posts and yeah. things. I love Instagram. Um, her Instagram is absolutely inspirational. Um, Shannon, I, there, there's an you you know you keep uh, you keep talking about it, and it's something that I I feel is that I I am absolutely grateful for Alcoholics Anonymous. But um, you know, about five years ago when I first got sober, I I needed therapy and. Instead, I was told, you know, just go to a meeting, go through the steps and things like that. So I pushed therapy off for about five years of my recovery. Um, certain issues with my life kept getting worse. Um, and then eventually I decided to take um, a different approach where I stuck with AA. I stuck with AA, but uh, I decided to get a therapist as well. And uh, the results and the help that came with it, um, not I wouldn't say immediate, but it was almost immediate. And it was a different approach. It was a different pathway. And I'm still on my path of recovery. So I guess the question for you is, you know, um, where also oh, uh, the the advice I, w- I, w- I would ask you to give is to someone struggling with um, a religious structure or and, or and or addiction um, what advice can you give them like where if they were to take that first step out of out of that uh, I don't want to say traumatic because um, religion is not traumatic but it can be at the same time where you hear people say I grew up with a punishing God um, and they were told you know see you stu- you stub your toe you know see God God's punishing you and and that can be very traumatic when you're younger you grow up 
unhealthy fear of God instead of having a loving relationship with one. Um, what advice could you give someone that um, wants to take that first step out of out of the shadow into into the light of um, their own their own recovery? Um, the first thing I would say is um, I think it's so important for people to really um, not discount their feelings, not discredit, not minimize how they feel about something. Because when I was growing up, I was, I did grow up with a punishing God, and I was terrified of God. I was terrified of religion. I was terrified of my family and my community and going against them and having a voice. And so if I speak publicly now, a lot of times I'll start to hyperventilate because I am reminded subconsciously of those fears. But it was very helpful for me in my recovery to allow myself the feelings that I was having because I did experience um, things that, I mean, it, it was okay for me to, to feel that God was punishing because that was my upbringing. It was okay for me to be angry at God because I felt, you know, that I had been harmed by Him. So I think it's important to identify the feelings that you have to allow yourself to have them, to say that it's okay. It doesn't matter if, any, if people around you are saying, no, this is wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Don't listen to them. Honor your voice, honor your perception, honor that it matters. Because if you can slowly help yourself um, to believe in yourself again, and that's how you can heal, heal, heal those inner wounds and that inner child is, is to really make sure that you, you show them that they're valuable to you. And then... Um, I guess the second thing is is as you're as you're getting ready to seek recovery or or um, just to to remember that you're not alone and that I think what's interesting is that there's so many people who are who don't really honor the self or the self perception and so maybe you're going to do what your parents said or your boyfriend says or this person says. But I guarantee inside of you there is an internal guidance system telling you what's going to work for you based on your personality. So for me, because I'm such a, I'm a, very much a loner, I've traveled the world alone, I love to be alone, it doesn't bother me at all. Um, so meditation and fitness, working out on my own and writing on my own, those things really work for me. But everybody's personality is different. And if you can try to get in touch with the self, in touch with what works for you personally and be brave and and know that, hey, I fitness works for me and I'm going to I'm going to try fitness and maybe also group support meetings work for me. I'm going to try to and um, just make sure to make space for who you are in your journey. That's awesome. I saw that you um, that you got a punching bag. Uh, you assembled and got <laughs> a punching bag on Instagram. Bill is actually um, <laughs> yeah. How how do you how do you like that workout? I, I Bill is actually uh, he actually boxes <laughs> and he put me through um, uh, nine nine three minute rounds and I, I almost passed out. Um, but, uh, <laughs> the, the, the punching bag is actually unbelievable on your body. It, it's, it creates density in your bones because, uh, the, the constant striking and the cardio is unbelievable. And I, I saw that you were trying to put it together <laughs> and, uh, so, oh my God, uh, and then I yeah. saw that it was up. So how do you, how do you like the punching bag? Do you, do you enjoy it? I do enjoy it. I, um, I'm still, you know, I have a ton of character defects and one of my um biggest ones is that i 
I have a hard, I have a lot of anger and I don't necessarily express it until it's like at a boiling point. And so, you know, um, being able to punch in a punching bag, I'm trying to consciously like, you know, work with the anger and make sure it can come out in a physical way that's healthy. And so it's been, I love it. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's one of the best work, workouts that I that I do yeah you have to um I highly recommend the heavy bag I, I really do I always say you know I always tell people you know how many people I just beat up today <laughs> you know <laughs> I beat up a lot of people today you know what's great about that bag Shannon it doesn't hit back <laughs> so exactly. but yeah I tell exactly. you it really is it's huge huge therapy I mean um and uh, so that that's that's kind of cool. I like that. I didn't know you had a heavy bag. I'm very very impressed. All right, uh, so Shannon, we're we're 30 minutes in. Um, I I really appreciate you coming on. I definitely look forward to linking up with you. I want to ask you um, one question. And Bill also has one more question. I just I also want to say if anyone is interested in uh, learning more about Shannon, she has an amazing book. I I read half of it in the first day. No tourists allowed. Seeking inner peace in sobriety in war torn. Sudan. Yes, I said it. Yes, I you did it. it. I did it. <laughs> that is awesome. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and Bill has a. Uh, I, I had to say it. I'm slowly. very very impressed right I, now. I actually stumble on the AA preamble towards the end. My yeah. word slur. I can't get the sentence out. So, um, all right. So uh, so so Shannon, I well, this is it. This is it. I this is all I have for you because I I just so I, you know I really like the um, the picture where you know I spoke earlier. I'm a convicted felon because. Um, uh, when I printed up your information on my computer, um, it's right above, um, for whatever reason, um, you, that you uh, were able to transform your life uh, from an experience of shame and darkness filled with light, love, and forgiveness. So how do you, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you're doing a lot of things to maintain that light and that love and that forgiveness, um, which we all know in recovery is huge. Um, anybody that's in recovery and it's successful. Um, are there any, th any other ways that you maintain that? I, do you have a connection to a higher power? Do you have a relationship? Are those, um, it, it, through meditation and hitting the heavy bag, are those the ways that, that you maintain that light, love, and forgiveness? Because it's a dark world out there and it beats you down week to week. So I guess, yeah, I, I guess I was just curious, you know, how do you maintain that? light, love, and forgiveness? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I I wouldn't say a higher power that, I mean, I know that probably makes everybody cringe that that's um, not how I identify, but I do, I do meditate. Um, you know, I try to meditate and um, work out every morning just for my you know, my mental strength because I, you know, can, um, be prone to depression and mood swings and anxiety. And so that really helps me there. And then the meditation helps me to, um, connect with, um, the inner peace that we're all searching for. So we can get caught up in all of these thoughts that just run our mind and being able to breathe and learn to not think or to stop thinking and just be still is, has been, um, a huge instrument in my recovery journey. And then I think, you know, service is a big piece. I mean, I work 
professionally for recovery community organizations around the world. And um, I'm, I'm even, you know, doing some support work for Recovery Africa. They're trying to start a recovery movement in Ghana. So I was able to visit um, there last year and, and, and see on the ground people trying to help one another, you know, attending 12-step meetings and different treatment centers they have there. And to see the peers sort of supporting one another on their journey was just amazing. And so I'm trying to, you know, I love adventure and I love travel and I love um, being able to connect people to uh, one another. And so this year, we're, um, Recovery Africa is going to host their very first service learning trip. So the idea is we're going to bring more people from around um, the world to a service learning trip in Ghana and take them up and down the Cape Coast, the Gold Coast, and they get the same experience that I had. And then hopefully that program can, you know, live on and and so service, I would say, is definitely a huge part of um, how I maintain my, my recovery. That's excellent. Yeah. Service is huge. I, that's, I think that's... Sorry about Shannon. My dog is making me really mad. Le- hold on one second. Lexi, stop. That's, that's Lexi. She's we, part of Rock Bottom to Recovery. We have a dog-friendly studio that Lexi is no longer invited <laughs> back to. Um, because this is the first time she's really like barked like that on the uh, show. But um, I, we really appreciate everything that you're doing. Um, we really appreciate you taking the time out to um, be on the show with us. Um, and the, um, uh, the that, that was the last thing I was going to ask. Is I know you have another book that you're working on or, or is about to be released. Can you... Uh, do you, would you like to plug that? Yeah, I, I'm, I have to say I've kind of stopped working on it. Um, but there is a follow-up book to, um, no tourists allowed. Um, and it's called sex, drugs and recovery. And it's going to pick up after I return from Africa and sort of, um, the second part of the story is really when, um, I returned home and, and was dealing with PTSD and really had no idea how to how to get support for myself because nobody in Utah I knew had ever you know been to Africa let alone become a journalist and lived in a war zone and you know so it was just kind of like the feeling of isolation again and being back in my Mormon community and I just downward spiraled and so and then also covers my journey um, uh, getting a job in New York and a book deal and and sort of the loss of that and going to jail and also the work I'm doing today for the recovery community around the world so um, I will be working on that I really appreciate the plug Shane I appreciate that you took time to read the book because it's like you know I mean it's not really about becoming, I'm, I mean, it'd be awesome if millions of people were reading it, but I know that, you know, these things take time and it's important just to hear that one person read it and found value in it because I do think our stories have power. And um, I'm going to be able to actually attend, um, there's a conference in Connecticut, um, or I'm sorry, it's actually in Florida this year. It's called the Multiple Pathways Conference. I saw you and post about on- that. I, I, I'm going to try to get that. I know I can get down there. Um, I, I have a lot of family and friends down Florida, especially in Southern Florida. Um, so I, I'm definitely looking forward to going to that conference. Yeah, it's amazing. The, the organization that hosts it is called CCAR and they're a recovery community organization in Connecticut. And they 
are we're kind of the leaders in the movement as far as connecting the community and making sure that there was a represent representation for multiple pathways. Even though I believe the founders are um, in the twelve step community, they they could see that hey, this doesn't work for some people. So yeah. let's advocate and let's start getting the federal government into programs. Oh, there's my doorbell. But anyways, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that I can dress up in cosplay and go there um, in Florida. And Shane, I hope I get to see you there and you can come watch me speak yeah, and maybe I'll, hyperventilate. I'll probably, be, I'll probably be dressed up as Wolverine in the audience. You will not miss me. I promise that. <laughs> I would love to see Shane dressed <laughs> as Wolverine. I'm doing so. it then. All right, Shannon, thank you so much. I appreciate everything. And uh, I uh, I look forward to talking to you again. Thank Take you Take so care. Much. Shannon. Hey, guys. Thanks for okay. having me on, and thank you for thank- all you do. You guys are amazing. All right, I'll talk to you later. Thanks, thanks for coming so on. Bye-bye. All right. So, no, no, bro. We're still rolling, man. Yeah, we're still rolling. Oh, all right. All right, so Shane's trying to get out. So he no, 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 he's not getting out like that. I, I had to hang up. It's Lexi, No, no, stop. you hung up the phone. That's fine, right? Huh? Yeah, I hung the phone up. Yeah. So uh, I, I know I, we had to get her off the. So that was Shannon Egan. Uh, unbelievable. She said yeah. some amazing stuff. Uh, you could tell that she is. Uh, she talked about CCAR. That's what uh, does the recovery coaching as well yeah, in Connecticut. That's right. If uh, anyone is interested in getting their recovery coach, look up CCAR, C C A R. Um, and it is um, it's out of Connecticut, but you can. Uh, someone keeps calling my phone. I, uh, it's so it's out of Connecticut. Um, <laughs> uh, this, so listen, this is our first season. Uh, I promise you, next season it'll be clean. No, it won't. Nah, yeah, you know, but uh, and that's all right. But uh, <laughs> so, I, mean, I mean, dude, I'm I'm excited. Yeah, I really am. Um, we no, it was great. It was great. Uh, you know, I yeah, people go and check out um, Shannon Egan's website. Just uh, uh, Google Shannon Egan author adventure. Yeah, and you'll Shan- see, it'll pop up. It'll be Shannon M A E. Egan uh, E-G-A-N at Instagram uh, Instagram yeah, yeah that's right I just opened yeah. up an Instagram account or you can look me up Shane Patrick 83 at Instagram I have 9200 followers oh. I need 800 more people so if 800 more people are listening to this yeah. I need 10,000 10k is the the goal on Instagram so if you have friends who have friends who have friends I have 9,200 I need 800 more and we'd like to get them within the next 20 minutes if that's possible yeah so, so please blow up my Instagram <laughs> it's Shane Patrick eighty three. Uh, you find me on Instagram. Just a lot of inspirational stuff um, that I somewhat mimic from the other people that have even more followers. She does. She has around thirty thousand followers. That's she does awesome. the cosplay. I am gonna go to that event in Florida, and I'm gonna dress up like Wolverine. I I promise will uh, buy the costume. I swear. Just to see Shane dressed as Wolverine. Yes. And you know is. what? That might inspire me to dress as something. I'm not sure yet what. Yeah, what? if if anyone would like to do maybe like a like a photo day for cosplay, um, costume play, we should all get together and maybe link something up and and just do it for fun, do it for charity, do it for inspiration. I think I'm gonna go as Adam. One of my favorite as things, Adam and Eve. One of my favorite things you see the picture because I do high rise window cleaners. You see the guys dressed as like superheroes yeah. doing with the windows at children's hospitals. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I absolutely love that it. Is like, they're cool. like Spider Man in the window cleaning the windows. That's and, pretty cool. I yeah. like that. So I just say so that uh, Florida event is um, what is it the um, that, I, uh, get I think C, it's in August. Which it's is, held. Um, C cars putting it on C G A R. I'll get I'll get the information next week. And we'll get it on a um, rock bottom recovery. Yeah, uh, and I am podcast. definitely going down there. I forgot. I I totally forgot about it. I said it was in. She also wants to do a recovery journey. 
So a while ago, I started reading about. Um, it's called Burning Man, and it's in Arizona. Oh so, yeah, I've so, heard of Burning so, Man. So you know, everyone says it's a hippie fest, but yeah. I where I was reading the book, I was reading. They were just talking that you know you can really find yourself there. It's an inspirational journey. So yeah. she recently posted about wanting to put a recovery group together for Burning Man. I am absolutely in on Burning Man. Uh, it it became part of my bucket list when I first read about it. Then she posted it and and I want so to. So that's inspired. Yeah, you. and and it would be good to go with a group of people because I heard that there will be illicit drugs there and things like that. But yeah, I mean, it's a pretty wild time. Yeah, I it's guess. a wild time. But, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. We can bring a recovery community there now that we're more. Accepted. We like to have fun. We like to rock it. We yeah. can do that sober. And and Bill can be a bodyguard because the he's yeah. Got nice I don't hands. know about that. I don't <laughs> know about that. Um, but you know what I do want to point out? I just thought it was just is I think it's very very important. It was just the fact like so for Shannon and because of Shannon's upbringing, that AA wasn't the thing for her. It was actually triggering, um, you know, uh, things from her past. And I just think that's amazing because there is a perfect example of. Um, different pathways to people's recovery. And so, um, you know, um, just keep that in mind as you're moving along when you're on that pathway to recovery is that, you know, try everything, everything. I, I, I'm always, I always stress to people, you know, put all that energy you used in, um, into the, um, the, the addiction that you struggled with. Try to put that same amount of energy into your sobriety. And try all different things, meditation, working out, a heavy bag, um, AA, NA, I mean, what else is out there? Drinking Just coffee. Drinking coffee, read the Bible, coffee go to church. Connoisseur. Um, you know, try every single thing you can. It's just, you know, I mean, and reach out. So, I think that's the most important so, thing, reach out and ask for help because there's people just waiting to help. So. so Bill and I got to wrap it up, but at the <clears> beginning <throat> where you guys didn't see us go live, we were discussing the words well and good. I believe now that we sound gooder than we did last week. Yeah. And that <laughs> all will be well. <laughs> <laughs> we're definitely gooder than last apples week. taste well and and, uh, and all is good. Yeah. yeah. And what was it? Um, gooder, well. And we, and we kind of wanged it. Yeah, we wanged it. We we're wanged not winging it. it. When we're we started it. this, wong, wong it. Well, wong. Yeah, <laughs> we wonged it, and we think we're doing okay. And yeah. If you like it, oh, we just get the peace sign. Hey, peace, right peace back out. at you. All right, so listen. Oh wait, um, next week. Uh, what's next week's date? It's not the twenty eighth, right? <laughs> we got uh, Senator Keenan coming up on the twenty eighth. I believe Mary, uh, uh, Marianne Kavanoff. Am I saying her name right? Uh, um, I think yes. You yeah. are. I believe she's going to be um, yes. in here next week. Um, I had it in my file, but yes. I took it out. So, Marion Kavanaugh, she uh, runs Magnolia. Uh, I will get you more information about Magnolia. I know it's huge. I think they have 15,000 followers. Uh, I believe they're a nonprofit, and they are an unbelievable group, uh, advocates for recovery, and uh, they kick ASS. Yeah. I well can said. say that because I didn't swear. They I, kick I, tushy. Tush. All Tushy, right, so uh, till next week, we appreciate everyone listening in. And if you want to call, if you need help, my phone is always available. Um, this 188 number goes directly to my cell phone. It's 1-888-415-9139. How do you know that wasn't a call coming in? That was Because I know that number. Oh, okay, I got gotcha. you. Yes. And wait, what, one piece? Yeah. We're done, baby. All well, right. We're down to that right. last right, minute. We're down to the last minute. Yeah. We can hold our breaths if you'd like. All right. right. And, we'll, we'll, oh, and also, 
congratulate Bill on not taking his wife's glasses with him. So that means she's driving safely somewhere. No, she has a ton of glasses. Anyways, that's um, excuse. oh, so like our uh, Rock Bottom to Recovery podcast on Facebook, you can call and you can message us. Um, you can also check out our Holbrook Cares Coalition. Um, we meet um, once a month, and then we have a drop-in center. We, we All that information is on the Hobart Cares Coalition. So thank you guys for tuning in. Um, spread the word. Let them know. And uh, message us whether you like it, you don't like it, or your thoughts. We, uh, we want to um, try to address as much as we can. So thank you very much. Be safe, and we'll see you next week. Ooh, there we go.